Thank you for tuning in to the message this week. As we continue in our series, Relationship Status, Trey is teaching this week on the subject of the dating dilemma. Dating can be difficult and confusing at times, but God's word gives us a clear guide into how we follow the process, progression, and purpose behind godly dating. Song of Solomon, chapter 1. We're going to pick back up, moving right along in our series that we've been in, which is looking at God's design for being single, for dating, for marriage, and for sexuality. And we started things off a few weeks ago uh, with a single status, talking about the gift of singleness and God's use of it. And then last week we talked about being single and searching and how we need to be developing a profile of the type of man or woman that we want to marry one day. And we talked about the importance of physical attraction in that. Uh, but we also talked about how it's even more important to find someone that is of godly character. So we've been seeing all this by following this couple in Song of Solomon. And we've watched them physically attract. We've watched them assess each other's character. And now they're preparing to take the next step in the relationship process. So tonight, we're going to take that next step with them. And we're going to move our relationship status from single over to dating and our subject is going to be the dating dilemma and there's a specific reason why I titled it that way because I feel like dating can be difficult at times I feel like dating can be somewhat confusing at times and you may ask well why do you why do you say that Trey why do you call dating difficult why do you think dating is so confusing at times well it's because of the Strange answers that you just get from people sometimes when you acquire about a relationship that they're in. Am I right? Do y'all see this? Do y'all get this from your friends? Uh, you see a couple start hanging out, uh, a guy and a girl, and they get a little flirty, and you begin to take notice of that, and then the next thing you know, you see them out in public, like at a ball game or the movies or the bowling alley or whatever, and so it piques your curiosity. And so you begin to ask, you know, hey, what's... What's the deal, man, with, with you and Ashley? And so many times I've gotten this response of just, well, I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. Well, I mean, like I saw y'all hanging out. Like y'all seem to kind of be digging on each other a little bit. Saw y'all at the movies together, at the ball game. You just, you're flirting around a little bit. So what's y'all, I mean, y'all dating or what? I, I mean, I don't know. It just seems to be like this massive difficulty sometimes that people have when it comes to dating and I think that's mainly because people don't understand exactly what it is or the proper way in which to do it so we continue following this couple as they begin to date each other and we're going to see how the process works and what the progression looks like so in Song of Solomon chapter 1 picking back up in verse 8 Solomon is speaking here and he says this if you do not know O most beautiful among women, follow in the tracks of the flock and pasture your young goats beside the shepherd's tent. Now, if you remember when we stopped last week in verse 7, uh, this woman has asked Solomon where she can find him at. She wants to meet him, right? She's become uh, infatuated with him. She's attracted to him. She wants to pursue a relationship with him, and she's hoping that feeling might be mutual, so she wants to meet him. So she asked Solomon, where can I find you at? And I... Thank God has a tremendous sense of humor. And I can almost read into Solomon's voice here just a little sense of sarcasm 
as he responds to her question of where can I find you at in verse 8, he says, if you do not know, like she don't already know, right? I mean, come on, girls. Like, if you're crazy about some guy, you know where to find him at, right? She's like, Solomon, where can I find you at? Where can I bump into you? And he's like, if you don't know, if you seriously don't know, you can find me in the pastures. Verse 9. He says, I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. So the first step in this progression of dating tonight, we're going to call simply this, hot pursuit. Hot pursuit. Solomon is the one who is pursuing this woman. I want you to see that and understand it very clearly. Solomon is the one who is pursuing this woman. It's not the other way around. Yes, she wanted to meet him. Yeah, she kind of threw a little hint out there, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Girls, you find a guy that you like, and he just hadn't seemed to notice. There ain't nothing wrong with sliding a little hint out there in front of him. But she is not the one that is pursuing the relationship. Solomon is. He is the one that has responded and told her exactly where she can find him at. Guys, listen to me. Men, God created you to be the leader of the household. So it's your responsibility to take the lead in pursuing a relationship as well, if you're going to lead your household, you might as well go ahead and start practicing now by leading in your relationship dating. But just understand this. There's a difference between pursuing and pressuring. There's a difference between pursuing and pressuring. Just understand that. Keep that in the back of your mind. We don't want anybody in here gaining stalker status. And so Solomon's asking her out on a date. When we get down to verse 9, he says, I compare you, my love, to a, a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. He's asking her out on a date, and, and that's his pickup line, by the way. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. So in other words, he's calling her a horse. He's like, man, you are the most gorgeous-looking horse I think I've ever seen in my life. And I wouldn't recommend that you guys... Use this Bible verse as a pickup line to get a girl that you like to go on a date with you. By all means, memorize all kinds of scripture and use it in your relationships. But don't use this one. Do not use this one. And so, you know, we want to help you guys out with this. So we came up with a few that you might try instead. I just wanted you to know that I put the stud in Bible study. So I was wondering if your name was Ruth, because I'd love to be your Boaz. So last night, I was reading the book of Numbers, and I realized I didn't have yours. Hello. My name is Will. God's will for your life. So, I know you already said no once, but you could call me Joshua, because I'm breaking down your walls. I discovered something. I know why Solomon had 700 wives. He never met you. (laughs) 
Is it hot in here? Or is that just the Holy Spirit burning inside of you? Hey there. Do you need prayer? Because I'd love to lay hands on you. Look, I get it. Could we just be accountability partners? Anybody suffering from secondhand embarrassment <laughs> right now? Uh, on, a, on a more serious note, when Solomon says this to this woman, when he says, I compare you, my love, to a mayor among, among Pharaoh's chariots, Yeah, I could go the rest of the night and not trip over another word, but that one did it. When, when Pharaoh decided to pick his horses to draw his chariot, he would go out and find the finest horse that he could, and that would be his lead horse. That would be considered his mare. It wasn't the only one. It was simply the best one in his eyes. So for Solomon to compare this woman to that mayor, he's essentially complimenting her beauty. He says, you are the most exquisite, the most beautiful thing that I have ever laid my eyes upon. And yeah, just like there were other horses in the chariot, there may be other ones around you as well. But in a crowd you stand out head and shoulders above everybody else. And so he's complimenting her beauty. And as he moves forward, just a quick recap to make sure that we're caught up to speed. She asks where to meet him. And he tells her. So they meet up. He spits that game on her a little bit and asks her to go out on a date. And she agrees. And I look at verse 11. Her friends have come back on the scene here. And we haven't seen them in a little bit. So her, her little girlfriend, Posse, shows back up. And verse 11, they say this, We will make ornaments of gold studded with silver. So they're speaking to her. Her friends are speaking to her because they're all excited. Like, she's going out on a date. And they find, she ran back. She's like, oh, we, we're going on a date. He said, yes, we're going we're gonna to go out on a town. I don't know what they did for fun back then. Maybe they rode some camels through the desert on an afternoon. I don't know. But she goes back to her friends, and, and she's like, we're going, to, we're going to go on a date. And so they're all excited. And they're like, ooh, girl, we're going shopping. We're going to get you all fixed up so that you looked perfect when he comes to pick you up tomorrow night. So they're all excited. And I want to just take a few minutes to explain what a date is exactly. And a date is simply this. It is a guy with a girl at a common event to do nothing more than enjoy each other's company. It's a guy with a girl at a common event to do nothing more than enjoy each other's company. It is a casual time of hanging out and doing something fun. And it does not, it does not, it does not, it does not 
escalate into anything more than that. At this point in the relationship, you're just simply getting to know each other. That's the whole purpose of a date, singular. Listen to me, guys. Please take extreme caution here. Because time and time again, I have seen people be attracted to each other. And I have seen them go on maybe just one date. And the next thing you know, they are at complete infatuation level. It is very, very easy at this point for that spark to turn into a flame, to turn into a forest fire that is completely out of control. Too many people so quickly begin to move too fast through this relationship process. Keep a very, very, very close watch on this. So this couple, as we continue moving through the text, they've been on a few dates getting to know each other, and they like what they're seeing. Now they want to get to know each other on an even deeper level, so they're actually going to begin dating now. And we'll take the next step in the progression, and we're going to call it, let's do this again, because that's what you hope to hear, right? After you go on that first date, hey, let's do this again sometime. So they're progressing, they're moving on, and they're actually going to begin dating at this point. And where this is different than a date, a date is a one-time thing. And it may or may not happen again. And if it does happen again, it might be a week in between before it does happen. But the difference between a date and dating is it becomes a whole lot more consistent in the time that you spend with each other and the amount of time that you spend talking to each other. When that consistently begins to rise, you are now approaching dating. And so they begin dating each other. But take a look at how their dating relationship works. Look at verse 12. She says, while the king was on his couch... My nard, y'all going to laugh at me for saying variants, but you ain't going to give nard anything. That's fine. My nard gave forth its fragrance. It's basically just her perfume. And in verse 13, she says, My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. In those days, it was common for a woman to carry around a pouch of perfume around her neck that would rest right here on her chest to make her smell good. And so she compares Solomon to that pouch that is in between her breasts. He says, this guy, just by the way he treats me, the way he talks, the way, the way he acts around me, he actually enhances my beauty. He actually enhances my appeal just by the way he treats me. And she goes on to say in verse 14, My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engedi. So Engedi was an oasis next to the Dead Sea, and everything else around it was completely dry and desolate. But within this oasis, you could find these henna flowers, and they would blossom into something beautiful. And so this guy, this girl says, this guy is, is so important to me. And he treats me with such respect and such gentleness and with such quality that he actually causes me to blossom physically. He enhances her beauty just by the way he simply treats her in their relationship. So that's what I want you to see. In their dating relationship, there's edification. They edify each other. They build each other up by the way that they treat each other, by the way that they talk to each other. He enhances her beauty, her, her self-esteem, her self-confidence, her morale, just by the way that he treats her. Girls, don't you want a guy that does that for you? Just by the way that he treats you, he boosts your self-esteem. He boosts your morale. He boosts your self-confidence. He boosts the way that you feel about yourself physically. It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks, right, as long as you have his approval. And if he shows it to you in the way that you deserve, then you're going to feel like this woman. You're going to feel like those henna blossoms where everything else might be dry and desolate, but because of the way your man is treating you, you are in full bloom. 
Likewise, girls, the favor is returned towards the man. Let's look at what she says in verse 15. And behold, you are, look at what he said, behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful, your eyes are doves. What if we talk to each other that way now? I mean, would you girls go for that? Would you just be like, <laughs> okay, somebody call the police. Verse 16, it goes back to her, and she edifies him. She says, behold, you are beautiful, my beloved, truly delightful. So just as, girls, the guy enhances your appeal, he enhances your self-esteem, your self-confidence, it gets rotated over in the same way to the way that you treat him. She enhances his appeal. She enhances his self-confidence. She supports him. She builds his character. She doesn't tear him down. They edify each other. And you can see this, right, for the most part in relationships. You can tell when a girl is in a good relationship just because she seemingly begins to glow physically just from his edification. I can always tell when a guy and a girl are in a healthy relationship just by the way they act physically. If she's in a healthy relationship, then when she walks into the room, man, the whole room will glow with her. If she's in a relationship where she's being mistreated, where she's being abused, where she's not being given the appreciation that she deserves, when she walks in, everything else is going to darken around her. And it's no different with a guy as well. If a guy's in a healthy relationship with a girl, it boosts his self-confidence, it boosts his assurance. As a man, when he walks into the room, he's going to have his head up. But if he's in a bad relationship, the opposite will be true. He's just going to mope around. He's going to check his phone about 75 times every three minutes. Why? Because there's no edification in that relationship. But this couple, they edify each other. They build each other up. There should be physical edification in your dating relationships, but there should also be spiritual edification as well. The person that you date should push you to become a better man or woman of God. And so many times I see the opposite happen. I see a guy or I see a girl getting a relationship that's not honoring into God. And listen to me, the first thing that begins to suffer when you get in a, in a relationship with somebody that's not honoring unto God, the first relationship that begins to suffer is your spiritual one with your Heavenly Father. I've seen it time and time again. You have this guy, you have this girl, everything's going good, they're growing with God, and the next thing you know, they get in a relationship, and you haven't seen them in three months inside the church. It's true. There should be spiritual edification in your dating relationships. The person that you date should push you to become a better man or woman of God. So let me give you a self-evaluation question for your relationships. And please understand, I'm not trying to break anybody up in here. That is the last thing I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to drive a wedge in your relationships. I'm just trying to give you the truth that I see in God's Word. So ask yourself this self-evaluation question. If you're in a dating relationship right now, is this relationship pushing me towards God or pushing me away from God? It's a hard question to ask. But I think it's one that's necessary to ask. Because a God-honoring relationship will push both of you closer to him let's do this again the next step they begin to progress even further in their relationship and we'll call this next step the I'm in love step I'm in love 
verse 16, part B. She says this, our couch is green. That's awesome. The beams of our house are cedar, our rafters are pine. At this point, you may not realize it, but it's getting quite serious at this point. I mean, their couch is green and everything. Uh, but it is getting serious in their relationship. At this point, you begin thinking about the possibility of marriage. And here's, here's what she's saying. You become open and public about your relationship. She says, our, our, our couch is green, the beams of our house are cedar, our rafters are pine. What this tells me is they're outside, they're in the open. They're in public and they're not ashamed of the relationship that they have. So at this stage, in the progression of your dating relationship, things become public. You're not afraid of the relationship that you have. You're not afraid of people are aware of it. You're not worried about what they're going to say. You're going to be the exact opposite of what I talked about in the intro. Somebody comes up and asks you, hey, man, what's the deal with you? And asks you, you're not going to give them, oh, well, I don't know. It's going to be, I'll tell you what the deal is, man. We dating. That's my girl. Don't, don't, don't tell me, don't tell me that you are dating if you hardly act like you know each other in public. Mm-mm. Nope. Don't bring that mess up in here. Not buying it. It should become obvious at this point of the dating relationship that you are exclusively together. Obvious. Anybody watch the movie Elf? I think Buddy has some great advice on this part of the process in a dating relationship. Right? I'm in love. I'm in love. And I don't care who knows it. You become open and public about your relationship. She goes on looking in verse 2. She says, I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. As a lily among brambles, so is my love among the young women. So they're continuing to physically edify each other. Verse 3, she says, As an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. With great delight I sat in his shadow. What is she saying right here? Apple trees have big, big overarching branches. And so she says, this guy, he treats me in such a way that I can take a seat underneath his arm and feel protected. I feel protected when I am with him. And she goes on to say, with great delight I sat in his shadow and his fruit was sweet to my taste. So he protects her, but he also nourishes her as well. This is a healthy, healthy, healthy relationship. He protects his woman. He nourishes his woman. Look at verse 4. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. He unashamedly claims possession of his woman. In those times when they were fighting battles, the generals would walk out into the battlefield with a massive banner so that their company would know at all times where they were in the battlefield. It was obvious. It could be seen from a long, long ways away. So this woman says what? His banner over me was love. So Solomon treated her in such a way out in public that it was obvious that that was his girl. There was no question. There was no doubt. There was no concern. It was obvious because he held his banner over her. She's mine. I protect her. I nourish her. I provide for her. I love her. So guess what? Everybody else can just stay away. Don't bother, because that's my girl. Listen to me, girls. If your man is in love with you at this point in your dating relationship, you can expect every one of these things as well, or at least you should. 
Guys, this is the way you ought to be treating your girl. I'm in love. That's okay at this point. Because you're taking the necessary steps. There's no point in dating if you don't have the desire to be married. Don't waste your time. Don't waste somebody else's time. So take the next step that comes with this one, actually. They're kind of one and the same. So it's almost like not a full step. It's kind of just a stutter step because this is what you encounter when you get to this stage. And we'll call it craving but controlling. So look at verse 5. It just comes out of like left field. Are you ready? Sustain me with raisins. Refresh me with apples. This woman wants a fruit basket, man. She's like, I want some raisins. I want some apples. What in the world is she talking about? In those times, it was thought that fruits that were high in seed concentration would actually enhance your fertility. And not just enhance your fertility, but increase your ability sexually. So this woman says, I want some raisins. I want some apples. I want anything that's got seeds in it because I just want to be like. She desires him. All right, I'm not trying to be awkward, even though you can't help it at some point. This woman sexually wants to be with this man. Listen, guys, we'll get further into this. There is nothing wrong with sexual desires. They are God-given. God is the creator of sex, not the world. Can we get that clear? And if everything God creates is good, then guess what sex is? It's good. So this woman says, I physically desire him. I want to be intimate with him. Give me them raisins. Give me them apples for I'm sick with love. His left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. So we have an intimate position here. But I want you to understand something. This is not referring to any kind of sexual activity. They aren't being intimate at this point. As a matter of fact, for her to say embrace, it actually means it is a statement of his affection that he has shown towards her. I wonder if you've noticed yet, the whole time we've talked about their dating relationship, they have never touched each other. It's pretty impressive. They haven't touched and the desire is there. The craving is there. But there's fixing to be control. Look at what she says in verse 7. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. She says, don't rush the process. Yes, the craving is there. Yes, you want it. Hey, I understand, man. I understand what it's like to date. I understand what it's like to be physically attracted to somebody. I understand what the struggle is, what the temptation is. Especially when you get engaged... Man, you think it's hard when you're dating? Get engaged and you can like see the finish line right there and you're just like, ah! The craving almost becomes uncontrollable, but it can be and it must be controlled. Listen to me. I'm, let me speak to the men real quick. We're fixing to be done. Men, leaders of the household, right? Leaders in pursuing the relationship, right? Leaders in controlling your desires as well. I'm not kidding around. I take this dead seriously. She's going to have desires. You're going to have desires. 
But you got to be the one that steps up and says, we're going to wait until the time is right. Do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. It's not for right now. It's not for right now. There's nothing wrong with the desires. But they're not for right now. So guys, if you find a godly girl that likes you and the feeling is mutual, then by all means pursue her. Ask her out on a date. Get to know each other. And if you like what you see, then start dating. and Take your relationship to the next level. And if you start falling for each other, just own it. Own it. There's nothing wrong with feelings of love. Just make sure that you keep your cravings under control. And then start making preparations to take the next step in your relationship. So you have to come back next week to find out what that step is. We pray that you have been impacted through this message. Be sure to listen in next week as we discover the next step to take in honoring God in our relationship and in pursuing a godly marriage.